You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Half hour! Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Here to bring you all the casual conversations on the shows, concerts, films, movies, music, and events and things that we see and observe throughout our careers. We would like to warn you that today's conversation will feature spoilers, so make sure you've (laughs) checked out the content that you're listening to about today before uh, moving forward with this podcast. You have been warned. And today I have to say that, but I, I laugh a little bit because I think the majority of people have seen what we're talking about today. Yes. You're probably wondering, why are they doing an episode on this show? Um, and you know what? There's a few reasons, but today we are indeed talking about the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. And you could probably see it in a million places in the world. Um, A a little bit of information and tidbits here. Um, The Phantom of the Opera is a musical playing at the Majestic Theater on Broadway with music by Andrew Lloyd Webber, lyrics by Charles Hart, musical staging and choreography by Gillian Lynn, and directed by Harold Prince, the legendary, wonderful Harold Prince. May he rest in peace. Um, One of Richie's idols. An idol of mine. Oh my (laughs) gosh, of course. The longest running show in Broadway history, The Phantom of the Opera. We went to check it out because because the last time I saw it, I was 14. How old were you? Were you around the same age the last time you saw it? The last time that I saw the show, I was, I think, 16. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a while. So 15 and we, years later, yeah, and, and here we are. <laughs> we're in the summer of 2022. A lot of shows are closing. A lot of new shows are coming. We're in this like middle of the seasons kind of. And so I thought it was really cool. Like, why don't we go check this show out? It's been so long. Um and, and I we just have, we kind of were talking about this for years. A while now. Like, we've always wanted to go oh, together let's just and get see a cheap it. seat in the back of the theater yeah. and just go see it. You know, and just, we've always wanted to go back and see it. And it's all and I always forget like it's always running. Yeah. Like it's all every eight times a week that show's running years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, really astonishing. So. You know, actually, we're going to talk a little bit about the movie too because Jeff saw the movie for the first time right before we <laughs> saw this. Uh, production of double this. whammy yeah exactly so <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about that but what are your overall thoughts on this seeing this as an adult versus a teenager the overall thoughts on the production let's just hear what your thoughts are on this so i think personally for me i think it was great to really come back and see this show as an adult i think that you know seeing the show at 16 I was kind of just getting into my my theater feet wet there. Mm -hmm. So seeing a show like this with the material that's on the stage could be a lot for someone who's young. Mm -hmm. You know, what's happening? What's Mm -hmm. going on? I had never seen the movie. So it's like I had nothing to go based on because, you know, that's my thing. I never watch a movie musical before Mm -hmm. seeing the show Mm -hmm. unless it was like Chicago. (laughs) But I... I really, I, I mean, there were parts that I remember from, you know, being a teenager and seeing the show. And then it was also like, I left, I feel like when I left the theater, when I was a teenager, I wasn't like blown away. Okay. And this time I feel like, you know, 15 years later, I just feel like there was so much more that I appreciated with this show. Mm. And I rarely, rarely say things like this, but. This show is kind of like a perfect musical. I was going to say that. It's it's a bold statement, but it is near perfect yeah. in so many ways. And I find that it's 
you can name Phantom of the Opera to like anyone and almost everyone says like, oh yeah, love that show. Like very rarely. I don't know. Maybe I've come, I've come across a few people who I roll their eyes. Oh yeah, Phantom. I've seen mm-hmm. it a million times. It's been around forever. Right. But they're not rolling their eyes at the actual show. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're not rolling their, sh- their eyes at like what is going on on stage. It's just like the legendary legacy of it. Some people are like, some people are kind of over that and that's okay. But I think I've never really come across someone who's hated it. Or someone right. who refuses to ever see it. You know, some people will, like, hate certain shows, right? I, I'm just blown away by all of it. And we could talk about so many things with this. <laughs> I think we kind of said we were going to really talk about the overall production and the legacy of this yeah. and what it's done to culture. Um, it is the longest-running show in Broadway history. We saw um, Julia Udine play Christine at the performance that we were at, and Ben Crawford was playing The Phantom. To me, I find that there are moments. First of all, it is so seamless. I'm blown away that like something operatic feels so fast. Mm-hmm. When I see opera, which I do sometimes, I find that sometimes it moves very slow. And there's something about this beautiful hybrid mold between musical theater and opera yeah. that is brilliant to me. And it's not opera, opera, opera. And it's not musical theater, musical theater. It's this beautiful mold of it mixed with mystery yeah. And romance. Yeah. And these are things that I think human beings in the world loved in the 80s, love today. They love romance on stage. They love the drama. There's comedy. There's beautiful mix of all of that. And I'm watching this as an adult and I'm like, wow, that works. Oh, that works. Yeah. Oh, that works. You know what I'm saying? I think another thing too in there, musically though, it's like, yes, it's the opera. Yes, it's musical theater. But... At the time, in the 80s, the pop elements that mm. Andrew Lloyd Webber brought into the score. Oh, it's brilliant. It is that quite 80s brilliant. Synth, the synth, the overture, you hear that synth, you're like, wow, this is the, at eight. what a brilliant idea to bring that modern sound into that operatic style. Totally. And uh, so many of those moments, I feel like it's, they're just hooks and chords that you just know. Mm. They infect you when you hear them, mm-hmm. you know, especially with so many of these songs, like the list goes on and on from that show. And I, I always thought it was like, oh, there's only one or two songs from that show that are like good. But no, it's it's like eight of them. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and it all just and there's something about going to me. I love someone. Someone I was talking to, they were like, I never remember what show I see what theater in. And I'm like, I do. I remember every theater I've seen a show. And I don't know if you all out there do or not. Mm-hmm. I, re- if you name the show, I can tell you what theater I saw it in. And I'm like 95% sure every time, you know? So for the time, yeah. But and this... for this, I haven't been in the Majestic Theater. Some theaters I've been in at least 20 times. I think this is the only the second time I've ever been in this theater. And how many iconic shows have been in this theater? So just to, for me to walk into that theater and see it and just be in it felt like goosebumps to me, you know? Well, it would be only the second time that you saw it. Well, right. It was the second time I saw it. So, and the second time I was in the theater. Because it's been running longer than I've been on this earth. Okay, everyone? Now you all know that I wasn't born before 1980. What is it? 7, 88? Yeah. No, 1988. Yeah. So. It, was, it was 86 in the, right, right. the West End. Um, um, but, but, yes. That theater is beautiful. The set 
is beautiful, and the actual theater without the set is beautiful. Yeah, there's there's just this. I love that it's the majestic theater, and you're in this beautiful palace style environment, and the Phantom's voice travels through the theater, and mm-hmm. he travels through the theater, and there's just this magic. There's such magic in the whole thing. Um, there's a fun fact about that. Yes, um, Phantom's voice throughout the the theater. They have twenty four speaker set up throughout that theater to give it that whole like haunted haunted ghostly atmosphere and i actually so i think when i saw the show the first time i was sitting like center orchestra so the surround sound didn't hit me as much as like where we were sitting we were like more side orchestra there was literally a speaker like right behind us and it was so chilling sometimes you felt like he was right behind you and it's quite cool. We were we went with a bunch of friends who all really love this too, mm-hmm. and they had said I would go back and see this every few whatever years or what. It's like something that's just there. I think it's a comfort. Mm-hmm. There's something really comforting about knowing that that's there. And I I do have a question for you and for our half hour listeners about Phantom of the Opera. The question I have is why is the Phantom of the Opera such a highly successful and long running show in your opinion? I think I'll like rephrase what I said the first time. I don't rarely, I I do rarely say this, but like I think it has all of the elements of it being a perfect musical. So because of that, I think people just fell in love with it. And what was put on that stage in 1988 still holds up to what it, like if it was put on the stage today. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it has aged like fine wine, it's like, okay, this show is just perfect. And I, it, it really comes down to there's a storyline that works. The characters become lovable for any audience member to be like, oh, I like that character. Or I like that character. You really connect with them. But I really, really think it is the music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that these songs are just treasures in the musical theater community. Yes. You know, for sure. It's fun. It, well, I, I have to, I'm watching it, you know, years and years later from when I first saw it with the director eye now and a lot more of directing I've done since I'm 14, <laughs> right? And I'm saying, wow, look at what's going on over there while this is going on over here. Look at how that scenery changed and moved. Look at what's, it's just directed so brilliantly. That legendary Hal Prince just puts this st- amazing directorial masterpiece together and I, I'm blown away by that there is something I was trying to find this specific I don't remember where and if our listeners remember where this was said please like comments and chime in there was someone said apparently you know previews start and a lot of times with previews things are fixed and changed and that's the one or two weeks where things can be fixed and altered as much as a director wants until opening night and then opening night comes and the show gets locked I don't know if they were the previews in London or the previews in New York but someone said the first preview happened and it was so good that apparently <laughs> nothing changed from the first preview to opening night. Like apparently not a lighting change, not a costume piece change, not a scenery, not a music. Wow. Apparently nothing changed. The audience was wrapped in it from the first preview. That is astonishing because I've seen things in previews and then later I'm like, oh, that changed. Oh, that changed. I know people who've worked on shows who said, oh, yeah, I just got a whole new scene three nights before opening. And that's okay because it's such a living, breathing art form that, of course, things should change in previews of the year. But for, for you to be able to say nothing really changed mm-hmm. in previews of this is astonishing. And like you said, it is timeless. I think the music is 
Okay, so I, it's between two songs for me as my favorite <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber songs of all time, and it is either Music of the Night from Phantom of the Opera or it is As If We've Never Said Goodbye from Sunset Boulevard. I do think they're two near-perfect emotional solos, one for a male, one for a female in those respective shows. And I listened to Music of the Night again, and I cried again because I find it to be so moving. And to hear that live, it is one of the largest orchestras on Broadway, I believe, every night. To hear that music live is stunning. When you say the music is stunning, it really is all about the music and lyrics. Yeah. The lyrics to the me lyrics are beautiful. by Charles Hart. We Of course, we praise Andrew Lloyd Webber for the music, but we can't forget that Charles Hart wrote the lyrics. My favorite lyric... <laughs> in the song, I wrote it down, maybe in the whole show. And I get chills and I could almost tear up saying it out loud. When the Phantom says, you alone can make my soul take flight. I'm just blown away by that. Help me make the music of the, you know, you alone can make my soul. That's so passionate mm-hmm. and gorgeous and moving. And the romance of it with the live orchestra, I just get tear. I start tearing at that moment at the end of the song. I just do. And at the end of the show. And these are moments. And I kind of want to talk about moments. Well, there's so many moments. This, what are your favorite moments? Because I can think of like a million. But are there any that really stand out as like iconic musical theater moments for you? I mean, it's so iconic when he's just taking her. Like, you see him in the mirror. He takes her down to his lair. And for me, it's just that... That uh, that dun, 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 is that it's so iconic. It's so iconic, and just the whole set, the way they're doing the whole bridge down into yes, the yes. layer. I mean, and, and the boat. I mean, and the candles out of the the floor candles coming up are, and the smoke. It really makes you say like. Is this the same thing that was on the stage in 1988? But it also makes you say, how big are the wings in this theater? Like, there's so many different pieces. And I'm like, you really get the vibe that they go to many locations. Like, the rooftop and then the basement. And you're, like, through this. Yes, that is an iconic There's so many things there. Like, for the, the directorial eye on that is just stunning. To me, I'm... I'm going to go way back to the beginning of the show. The reveal of the chandelier, the reveal of the proscenium facade, and the overture playing. And you would think that watching this really slow-moving chandelier up would be, like, painful. <laughs> it's, like, the most gorgeous thing. And I am – you know, you're not really transported in the prologue. You're like, okay, there's people standing on stage. It's clearly yeah. ahead of the, to the theaters. And all the curtains are hanging, and it's gray. <laughs> it's this ghostly gray. And when the lights change and the reveal of the curtains come down, I always think to myself – how many crew members does it take to rehang that? You know, it's like all of that was all covered. I wonder how long it takes them and how many great. crew members. There's got to be a stat out there. If anyone knows, I'd there love to know that. Stat, but there is some stat, too. Like, every performance, there's like 150 people working on that show. Really? Yeah, I mean, look at the cast alone. It's like 50 people alone. Yeah, the alone cast is huge. Cast. The orchestra, the crew, plus they just people working in front of house and like anywhere in the offices, like everybody working on that show every day. It's crazy. It's a lot. But when they when you see the overture playing, to me, I'm a big fan of an overture. I even love when new shows put in like 30 second overtures because yeah. I'm like, give us, some, don't just raise the curtain. I actually like when a curtain raises on a play with no music. Like that's something mysterious mm-hmm. about that. But the musical. This big overture's playing, and you're not bored. You're not sitting there waiting. You're not staring at a red curtain the whole time. You're watching the sh- the chandelier rising. And, and if you're noticing, do you notice 
while the chandelier is rising, all these curtains are rising on the stage, like mm-hmm. tons. And you're and the lights are changing, and you're being right back to where it, this is supposed to take place. It's just someone takes this famous, famous book yeah. and puts it on stage and tells this tragic story. So, overture, boat. Iconic moments. Another one, when the angel is down, when they're on the rooftop, and they're singing um, as if, oh, um, I almost said as if I never said No, there, I'll ask of you. And it's right before intermission, and he's in the angel the whole time. Yeah. And in the movie, it's a little different. You see him kind of hiding. Right. We'll talk about the movie in a minute. But he's up there the whole time, and then you just look, and there he was. That's a moment for me. It is a moment. I, that I forgot about, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you forget about it, it kind of is like, oh, he was I, there the whole song. Yeah, because for me, seeing the movie Mm -hmm. recently, I was thinking like, oh, where is he? Is he watching them somewhere? Mm -hmm. And then to not really realize that he was in the angel the whole time. And then that reveal, I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh. And then we get that (laughs) chandelier crash at the intermission is just iconic and it's stunning. And what at the time, it was probably amazing. Like, what was doing that on Broadway, that epic at that time? Totally. You know? It's like the turntable of Les Mis. That was a really iconic thing. Like this, the chandelier falling, these big 80s moments in musical theater was like they're uh, uh, astonishing. Well, when you think of the word spectacle in musical theater, I think the first thing you probably think of is Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. I mean, put it up there with, you know, Alphaba flying in Wicked. I mean, there's just moments of musical theater that you're like, yeah. that's an epic moment. I also think the ending is his mysterious departure mm-hmm. with the mask sitting there is so iconic so and iconic. it's beautifully tragic. The ending is so tragic and it's like, I cried again at the end. I cry at the end of Music of the Night and I cry at the end because there's something so brilliant and tragic and it's really, really sad, but it, it's gorgeous and the whole piece is just glued together in that moment at the end for me. But like, think about things like even like Masquerade, the opening to Act 2, you know, the costumes, the amount of costumes alone that are in this show. Yes, yes. That people are changing constantly. And like, also seeing the fun little things there, it's like, you'd think there are so many more people on the stage, but then they have like the dummy set up. Uh, yes, Masquerade, <laughs> Masquerade, which is a great Act 2 opener, isn't it? Really it really is. It's, <laughs> and and it, like I said earlier, I think people love this so much because you're just putting together iconic, glorious, sweeping music. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel too opera. Sometimes a lot of opera is in another language, but some of the other languages sung, I believe it's Italian, a lot of the opera is sung in this. Like the, the, I'm talking about the show and then the show. Mm-hmm. That's even written so beautifully. I'm like, is this an opera that was written 100 or 200 years ago that, that Andrew Lee Weber took? Like, no, like he wrote all of this opera. Like, and to think that he came from Jesus Christ Superstar, <laughs> Joseph and the Amazing Day, Evita, these like rock awesome scores. And he always says, I never got to write romance love ballad really at the ad level. And this was what he gave the world? Like, good well, for I you. I think that's what we need to talk about here is because I think a ballad is either a hit or a miss. Mm-hmm. And the amount of uh, duet ballads, though. Okay. The amount of duets on the musical theater stages, there's a ton of them. Yeah. But they're not always good. No, no, you're right. And I think every duet in this musical is almost nearly perfect. Mm-hmm. The blend of both of the voices together, it's just like, mm. Yeah. Mm. It's stunning. It, and, and, and all of it is just, <laughs> we're just praising and praising. 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 Nothing. Okay, is there anything wrong with you, I was going to say, is there something <laughs> um, I will say one thing, actually. I would say, I would say something that I wonder about. 
in the beginning, you see, I believe it's old Raul and, and the old... Oh, well, first of all, uh, Madame Jiri might be my favorite character. Love her mystery. She knows everything going on there, and she runs that place. And I wish she had her own song, kind of, because she's this great character in her stance and everything. But it's interesting how in the beginning, you're seeing the prologue is set in 1905. And then we go to Overture, and then we go to Act 1 Paris, late 19th century, and then Entract Act 2 six months later. Why don't we ever go back to that auction? Like, it almost would have been cool if maybe we buttoned back there at the end. Maybe not. I don't know. In the movie, they keep bringing up the mm. the present of 1905. And then when the Phantom goes to the grave and sees the rose there and realizes that Christine has died, right? And that Raul, or elder Raul, has left the flower there, right? Like, there was something kind of nice. And, and the movie's got its own problems, I know. But I, every, think, but I think there was something about like, seeing them in that elderly phase in the present day multiple times in the movie brought a little bit of that prologue back, which we don't see again in the book of the stage show. I, I know, because I think we talk about this sometimes with movies versus the stage production. And I think with movies, sometimes it's like, you got to tell them everything. Yeah. Because people don't really have imagination right. when they go to <laughs> right. movies. Right. I hate to say it. But when you're on the musical theater side of things, you don't want to know all of the answers. You want to try to come up with your own narrative yeah. on why did yeah. they start the show with that and end it the way that they did. And it's because... We don't know where the Phantom goes. Well, like, we don't know where he goes, right? And there is that sequel show that Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote to it that <laughs> didn't really do well. I never made it to Broadway. It toured a little bit. I think uh, I love not knowing where he went. Did he? Where did he go? And and there's also this like underlying question of like, is he real or not? And yeah. you like know he's real, but it's like obviously it's you know, but like is he? Like I and I love that you, they leave that up to your own imagination to say what if he was ghost the whole time yeah. and she fell in love with a spirit or a ghost and he never and that's why she didn't go with him in the end because maybe she literally couldn't I don't know mm-hmm. I mean there's a whole theory there and that's what's the beauty of this it's so beautiful there's so many things there. yeah yeah I want to ask a question to everyone about Phantom of the Opera and to you but do you think that the Phantom of the Opera will ever close yes no and why with your answer I don't think it'll ever close. You mean New York, Broadway, no, uh, yeah. London, anywhere? Broadway. Broadway. I don't think so. I, the only thing I could see happening is if there was some major legal issue or something and they had to, or there was a sense of um, maybe there w- the ticket sales just drop and they have to close it, but there's they pull in money. They not it. when in 2022 it's pulling in a million dollars yeah. a week. And people, go, yeah, almost, right? I think it is almost pulling in a million dollars on some weeks. So, no, I can't. And like I said, unless there was something catastrophic that happened where, no, but I couldn't I couldn't see it. Why would it? Unless they literally got to a place. And you never know. 40 years from now, 50 years from now, you could this show could be running 100 years and maybe that generation of people don't, I would hate to say this, don't, don't appreciate opera or maybe. romantic musical theater. And maybe that art form is in a different place than it is now. You know, opera 100 years ago was a lot different than it is now, but it's still around. And I know this is not an opera. I know this is a musical. But I, 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 unless something catastrophic happened, I couldn't see why they would close this. What do you think? For as long as Andrew Lloyd Webber is alive, it will not be closed. Yeah, well, he could have it in his... Uh... <laughs> and then whatever the estate decides to do with it, you know. Right. 
and how things live on. I mean, the estates managed shows now that are revived and that come back. They're, the you know, I, there's a lot of. Potential. I think they will try to keep these like a show like this running. Mm-hmm. People go, you know, there's fans that go to see this. Like, yeah. like there are people that their yearly tradition with their families, with their friends, is to bring people to the... Like, some people go... I know some people that go the same day every year. Like, some people are really... Some people literally have seen it, like, 50 times. Like, yeah. there, you go... You are out there. There are fans. And there are so many productions of it running all over the world in many languages all the time. Yeah. It's astonishing. It is It really, really is. You want to know a fun fact? Yes, yes. Um, since opening on Broadway, there has only been 18, um, phantoms. Wow. Wow. Including the original Michael Michael Crawford, Crawford. who did it for many years. So with the new phantom that's in it now, it's only 18. And you want to know how many Christines? Yes. Many more than 18. No. No? 14. Oh. Okay. Because that's a lot on the voice, and the Christine usually has an alternate on matinees. So. Yeah, unless I don't have that right, but I think I found wow. the right uh, wow. the right article on which. Well, I do know a lot of people. I mean, what are what there's are, there's like alternates, but they don't count those as. Oh, they don't. I wonder why. Um, that's a shame. Taking on the role. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, like to take it on fully because it is a role that's only performed by Christine six times a week, and then mm-hmm. the Wednesday and Saturday matinees an alternate. That alternate being Julia Udine, who we saw. We had an evening performance and we saw Julia. Yeah, I don't think they count her wow, as Wow, that's a shame. Like, because she's always, wow, wow. As, as taking on as yeah. being in the role yeah. of Christine. Yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah. It is also interesting that I think this might be the only show that is currently running that that is, like, outlived me. Like, this show, like, that's currently running. I think every other show that's currently on Broadway has come out or that production of it has started after. So there's something about this that's like, I bow down to it because I has come before me. And I think it's, and there's, and like I said, there's everything that people want, mystery, romance, calm, there's comedy in there. The Carlotta stuff is great. I, I just, I, I have nothing else to say about it other than I just, and let's talk for a really quick second about the movie. Okay. The movie being, I had its problems. I don't think it's perfect. It was nice to document it. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the movie? I actually liked watching the movie for um, story purposes. Mm. Sometimes when you're in a musical and there's so much going on mm-hmm. in a musical mm-hmm. like this, you lose some of the plot line. Mm-hmm. So watching the movie, I was able to really go into this musical and fully embrace knowing what the story already is. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's good to do that. Yeah. Um, I like more of the surprise factor when I see theater. But in terms of the movie, though, I, it's not... I it wasn't it, the worst thing that no, I, saw, I know. It you know, have seen in terms of musicals. Mm. Um, I just think that everything is really held to the sta- the standard of what Chicago has done to the movie musical um, right. space. Right. And I don't think this lived up to that. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and The movie was delayed a lot. It was. Yeah. It just kept getting delayed and delayed in casting changes and things like that. It's not perfect. I do think it's it missed perfect. the mark in t- in ways, but f- to be able to see the scenery and the and the whole, they were able to add special effects of fire and the chandelier. You know, they were able to kind of make it a little more than a live production. I think in a way. what it didn't need, and this is what the beauty of the Phantom of the Opera is, though, is like it didn't need the stars. Mm. 
and it should have cast people that could have really owned mm-hmm. the role mm-hmm. versus the role owning them. Right. And it is big shoes to fill in these roles. Yeah. You know, so, uh, one more fun fact yes, here. Yes. Um, Phantom of the Opera is the largest single generator of income and jobs in Broadway in U.S. theatrical history. Wow. I mean, well, obviously, we would think about that, but because it's been running for yeah. so long, but it's the number one thing in theater generating income. Yes. And, and there's so many, and you would think a show would start big and then by now maybe they'd have like 10 people in the ensemble. I no, that ensemble's like huge. Yeah. And like, and, and they're not, they're not pulling anything back. And if that is exactly what we saw, if it's exactly what people saw opening night, then like bravo to those people keeping that exactly running the way it needs to, mm-hmm. especially for how Prince's legacy and his direction and the way nothing, cha- you know, and I, obviously when a show opens, nothing changes. But you ever wonder like how often Andrew Lloyd Webber sees it? Like, does he ever go to London? I think he's in London, right? Does he ever go see that production or the Broadway and like just pop in? <laughs> I, he would have to be. I, I mean, he was back here DJing yeah. from the marquee. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did at the yeah. opening. He was DJing he his was, mixes you know, off his he music. He was like, theater needs to be open. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know. He fought really hard for that. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, it's amazing. It really is. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Out of time already. I could go wow. another half an hour about this. But, oh, last minute thoughts. Wrap it up. Favorite moments or just thoughts overall on this and what you think it is to thoughts you? Thoughts overall. I mean, if anyone's listening to this and they're deciding on if they should go back to see Phantom of the Opera or not, I would highly suggest just going and getting a ticket. You know, you can get cheap tickets to see the show. Just sit anywhere in there and just go back and experience, I think, the magic mm-hmm. that's happening mm-hmm. um, in that theater. It really, to me, is a fully... magical immersive experience you feel emotions and it's just it was great and you know my aunt loves this show Mm. she says it's literally her favorite show and she actually got us a ticket to when i was a teenager she was like you guys have to see it but you know i can kind of see now why this is her favorite show yeah totally totally (laughs) and for you yes and for me uh it is near perfect it is a staple in not only in musical theater history but British history. You know, it's a British show, but it's also, in a way, a staple of American musical theater history because it's the longest-running Broadway show. Um, and, and I think there's something really ch- charming and special about that. It's very timeless to me. And it hold, and like I said, I don't cry that much in shows. You know, I really have to, I have to really <laughs> be moved. Um, but in the last few shows I've seen that I cried in, like Glenn Close and Sunset, is Andrew Lee Weber shows. I don't know, something gripping about his music to me. Yeah, I so, mean, it's just... I think the word creative. Yeah, it's brilliant. And There's it's, a lot of really thought out creative things that have happened in Andrew Lloyd Webber, Webber shows, like like you said, Sunset, Cats, you know, some mm-hmm. of these big shows that are staples in musical theater history. Yeah. You know, when people are writing now and creating mm-hmm. now, we sometimes say the word creative wasn't there. And now yeah. seeing stuff like this, it, it kind of relights the fire for me that like, you need to put time and effort into putting out a good product. And, and it's always nice when you see Andrew Lloyd Webber. He always praises um, Richard Rogers as yeah. his inspiration for what he does. And yeah. it's always really nice when you see people look back and say, well, look who came before me. Yeah. And if you're looking at someone like the iconic Richard Rogers and that what the things that he wrote. Like, but look at so many of those shows. Yeah. They're still staples in yeah. musical theater yeah. history yeah. today. And you, we don't see that a lot anymore. No, right, right. It's like, how long is this show going to be right. on? You know, two or, weeks or, or right. you know. And you do see, obviously, Sondheim, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda. There's definitely people. Yeah, there Jonathan are. Larson wrote some work. Yeah. You know, there's definitely people. But we'll see who the next 
Yeah. People are, right? What's the next writing Who's team? Next? <laughs> yeah. So. Well, we thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed listening today. Go check out Phantom of the Opera because why not? It's there. <laughs> it's there. It's just there. Go. It's all. It's. I, I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, so we. Yeah, this will be our yearly. Yeah, maybe um, we do this once a year. Oh my every gosh, that's a lot. <laughs> year we end the season with Phantom. Yeah, imagine. No, maybe we'll do it like every year. We end with a show that we haven't seen. Oh, in a while. like Chicago or Wicked or Mormon or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. Well, we hope you enjoyed today. Please check us out on all our social media at Half Hour Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Two Worlds Entertainment, <laughs> all those places. Uh, and chime in, comment, let us know what you think. We, I asked a few questions here. Jeff asked a few questions. So let us know what you think. We'd love to hear more. Mm-hmm. Uh, more shows coming as we enter the fall. More pop music coming as we enter the fall. So stay tuned for more coming up in September and onward. Uh, we sorry. are taking a gap week next week. We are taking a gap week. It's Labor Day weekend. And then we kind of start back up again in September with more pop music, music and more shows. Broadway. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of new shows coming this fall to mm-hmm. check out. So thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. And signing off for now, I'm Richie. And I'm Jess. Saying ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.